Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Trevor Talks podcast. Today we have an amazing guest, Miss Brittany Moses, and I'm super excited to bring you guys some knowledge and some love. So sit back, relax, and let's jump into the episode. Today we have the amazing privilege of talking with one of the most encouraging voices in the mental health space. She has been featured everywhere from Huffington Post to Christian Post, and I am super honored and thrilled to have her here on the show. Y'all please welcome Mrs. Brittany Moses. That you was feeling? amazing. Thank you. I, I just need to take you with me everywhere. I just- am a certified hype man. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. No, totally. So I just want to get started right off the bat because there's so much wisdom that just comes from your platform. I've benefited from it. I started following following you on Twitter such a long time ago, and I just feel like I've seen you all over the place, not even just to write love on... I'm just all over the place. To write love on her arms, just doing all this work in mental health, but you're also in college. What are you pursuing right now? So... In psychology and mainly clinical psychology, and just there's a lot of research that goes into that. So, prepping the course for a PhD program, um, but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> yeah. So you're pursuing your degree in clinical psychology. You're doing PR and marketing in the big leagues. You're raising your son, and you're doing all these blogs and lives, and you're just all over the place. How do you start your day and how do you keep everything in line? Like you've got a lot going on, not just being a mother, not just being a PR expert, not just being a college student. You're doing everything and you're balancing it from what I can see so well. How do you start your day and how do you just fit everything into your busy schedule? Oh, that's so funny. It's always so interesting to hear how other people see your life because on the inside, I don't know. I guess for me, like it's really this one day at a time thing. Like in the back of my head, I know that I'm doing a lot, but I think because I'm just approaching each day as it comes, it's just like, let me just handle these 24 hours in front of me. And I really do kind of live along those lines. So I have this planner called the focus planner and I map out like my big three priorities for the day and you know, my to-do list, but my main thing is to get those three things done, whether it's something for work or, you know, doing a podcast, recording a podcast, you know, studying for a test, whatever it may be. I do map out my week ahead and then I do break down each day based on the work I have for the week ahead. So I'm definitely starting my day with a routine right now. I can't say that I was that faithful of that a few weeks ago when all this started. I was just a hot mess. (laughs) Um, But now, you know, I'm finding that being in routine is definitely helping me kind of stay in control of my world, so to speak, since we're in such this out of control space with everything going on with the pandemic. Um, So I do wake up and take, you know, my morning shower, make sure I get some breakfast in. I'm just really understanding how important it is for your brain to be fueled uh, by food (laughs) in the morning, you know, um, having, I have a cup of coffee. Um, and then I just, I, I, sometimes I'll do a, a headspace, like a mindfulness. Yeah. Uh, meditation, just checking in with my body, um, and being present. Uh, and then, I, yeah, I go over my list for the day. I kind of order it in the order of like what's most important or, or like managing my energy. You know, I know that my energy is kind of highest in the morning. So knocking out the most creative things that I have to 
work through in the morning. And then the things that I know by, I don't know, like two or three or four, my brain's just depleted doing some of those automatic processes that don't take as much mental energy. So, uh, yeah, just trying to maximize the most of my day. Uh, thankfully and surprisingly I have more time in my day with this cause I'm not commuting mm-hmm. a lot. So yeah. actually just taking advantage of the time. Um, so yeah, I guess it is a lot when you, when you think about it in the big picture, but I try not to do that. Cause that just gives me anxiety. Yeah. And I could totally relate with that. If I have too much on my schedule or too much on my mind, I will have a panic attack. And, um, starting my day with the calm app has been so yeah. crucial for me and just learning how to stop and breathe, learn breathing techniques, even going into like working out and going for runs, getting fresh air. That's also important to your mental health. Is there any like statistics straight from your mind that you could think of right now that back that up? Like if someone is not exercising, not taking care of their body, that is going to affect their mental health, right? Yeah. You know, they say that, um, and I can't quote the exact article, but you can look it up. Um, they say that 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, of exercise and it doesn't have to be super, you know, weight training or anything like that. It can just be moderate exercise, walking, running, especially if you get out in nature, um, being out in nature has shown to like help boost your mental health. So 20 to 30 minutes a day, um, of moderate exercise or whether it be cardio or resistance training has been shown to improve people's moods. And it just makes sense kind of on like a biological level, because when you are exercising, your adrenaline's coming up, you're getting those endorphins that release in the brain and the endorphins are kind of like a feel good chemical in a way. That's how you get kind of get that high, even like that runner's high. Um, Endorphins are like, you know, they're like a pain blocker, you know, in a way it's your natural opioid system. So getting all of that just altogether makes sense that if you keep doing that over time, you're just, you're just going to feel better. No, a hundred percent. And I think that somebody out there is probably going to go for a little run or a walk and hopefully start uh, managing their mental health with physical health as well. But I really want to dive into specifically with you. I've never asked anybody else about their journey to getting to where they are now, but you're a world-renowned mental health advocate. You've been doing so much for the past few years. How long have you been doing this, by the way? Oh my gosh. It really crept up on me. I don't know, maybe five years? Five years. and As far you, as like blogging about it and yeah, stuff? Yeah. yeah. But I've been definitely dealing with it behind the scenes, which we'll talk a little bit more about in my story yeah. before all of this. Yeah. And so when it comes down to it, where was that transition piece for you? Like you can go into your story if you want, but- when it comes down to it, what was the difference between you struggling with mental health and you overcoming that, learning to manage it and pursuing helping other people get through that as well? Yeah. Wow. That's a loaded question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I'm like, how far back do I go? I definitely had my struggles as a teenager. Um, I was going through a lot of distressing things at home, Um, not specifically with my parents, but with other adults that were around. Um, That was a very distressing time. And I dealt with a little bit of self-harm for a short period of time Mm. and suicide ideation during that time, just feeling like I couldn't escape my situation, not having a lot of the coping skills, but thankfully having a really great like friend support system that really walked with me through that period. Um, so that was my, in my teenage years, I ended up having my son at 18 years old. That's a whole other story. (laughs) I ended up having my son at 18 years old. He's wonderful. He's the best thing that's happened to me. Um, and around that time, I definitely 
was starting to have a bit of a spiral. My life looked very different than everyone else's. I found, I found myself very isolated just because of the natural fact that a lot of my friends were going to school. They were out exploring life and, you know, living it up. And I was kind of stuck at home and trying to figure out what my path was and just feeling very like purposeless. You know, I had this great child, but I also was having a bit of postpartum depression and feeling like I was kind of adrift in life. Um, that eventually led me to going to church Um, I just knew that I needed community and I remember going to church with my aunt around Easter and I found this vibrant church in inner city LA called Oasis. It's there in Hollywood. And I was just like, man, I I think I should visit. Like I'm probably too far gone, but maybe Jesus can save my child. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's it. One of us has got to get it together. (laughs) How old was your child in that season? I mean, he was a baby. He was a baby. So you were, correct me if I'm wrong, you were almost, uh, you grew up in the church, correct? I did. Yeah. But you were also a baby Christian in your faith in that season. So you had your child, he's a baby, but to a sense you were growing as well. That's such a beautiful connection. Sorry to interrupt you in that, but I couldn't get past that. That is great. Absolutely. And I, and by that time I had also considerably fallen away from my own faith too. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just doing my own thing. I had gotten involved in like clubbing and drinking for a period and a lot of those just toxic relationships that the whole scheme of things. And, um, but yeah, I ended up going to church and I remember, you know, the pastor was preaching this message on scandalous grace and about how, I mean, it was just how grace is so scandalous and it's not, and it's not about like what you do and it doesn't matter how far you've gone and it's not Mm. about cleaning yourself up and being perfect, but you come to him as you are and he cleans you up from the inside out and allowing the time for that sanctification, but just coming to him as you are. And I don't know, that was just so revolutionary to me, you know, um, because at the time, I, I think that I was just convinced, like, if there's a hell, I'm definitely going there. And there's no way, like, <laughs> there's no way that I'm going to, like, get my way out of this. Because I just, you know, I fail. I'm imperfect. I do all the wrong things, you know. No, sure. As everyone else does as well. Right. And with you in that path as a single mother, being 18 years old, raising a child, you were, were you out of high school at that point? I was, I had him okay. like, I literally found out I was pregnant after my graduation. It was like, oh wow, At, you, you dodged one there. I dodged could, it. You dodged yeah. the big graduation, but yeah. it's, it's just so cool that you said that you had your child and then you started going back to church because if one of you needed Jesus, it was probably you, but he was going to yeah. grow up in the church as well. So that's just so ironic for me. You found Jesus right? through the blessing of having a child. Yeah, because I think maybe not everyone, but I think for a lot of us who had a kid young, yeah, one, we had to grow up really fast. Sure. And two, you do get this sense of like, okay, I need to get my stuff together and I need to make some changes. Yeah. And I don't exactly know what that looks like, but I'm going to start here, you know, wherever that sure. is. And um, I actually was still with his dad at the time and yeah. um, it was a very toxic relationship. Oh. Um, but um But yeah, so, you know, started going to church and ended up getting baptized, ended up volunteering in the nursery, um, and then just really became a integral part of the children's ministry to the point where I was helping come up with curriculum and coming up with like the puppet shows and the choreography (laughs) and like all of that. And 
I just grew so much. And these are really those hidden seasons, right? Where it's yeah. like, nobody knows who you are. Nobody's seeing you and you're not doing it for anything sure. other than you're just like, wow, I'm really growing in this. And I'm finding something that I'm really like finding these leadership skills that I didn't know that I had. And the kids are so receptive and I loved it. I grew so much, um, helping out in kids ministry. And that yeah. was my start and kind of my transformation of being born again and my started a new life uh, and which would eventually lead me to this mental health path, which we haven't even gotten to yet. (laughs) Now with you being in kids ministry, you mentioned choreography. Have you ever done Zumba before? I have done Zumba. I love Zumba. Which is the better workout kids ministry choreography or Zumba? Gotta know. Whoa, that's close. That's really close because the the kids choreography, it, it can get pretty intense. They've got energy. They've got yeah. energy that once you hit days. Say 18 or 19, like you're not going to hit that energy. It's almost like they have a runner's high from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to sleep yeah. at night and you have and to you, beg them to go to sleep. So you're always on. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> after sure. getting back into church and moving forward with your relationship with Christ and raising your son, um, what was next? So I started becoming really passionate in my faith and I think I was really growing into these like leadership skills. And I was at an age where there just weren't a lot of people my age who were living the lifestyle that I was living at the time. Um, You know, like I said, a lot of them were just into drinking, heavy partying and all of that. And I never judged anyone, you know, Mm because I get it. Like we're all in different places of life, but I was just at this other place in my faith and having a family young. And so I don't know, I was just kind of like, is there anyone out there who's my age who wants to connect and is doing life differently, you know? Sure, sure. Um, and so I, that's when I got on Twitter. This is so funny. I found out my Twitterversary is like, has been like 10 years. So it's crazy. Wow. I've been on Twitter for a decade. Been tweeting. around for a decade. That's crazy. Yeah. And I was tweeting a lot about just encouraging things about my faith, end up like different inspiring quotes, ended up building a following from who knows where. And I ended up starting this like blog mm-hmm. where I was like, Hey, you know, I'm this young person. This is my life. This is my family. I'm just wondering if there are any other young people out there who are kind of really living for their faith and pursuing this lifestyle. Um, but still want to connect and have fun and find others who are in their city who they can connect with, you know, and who want to grow, um, together and still have fun because mind you, a lot of, I don't know, but for me in the church, a lot of people were either older and married or um, really, really young. And I just felt like I was in this in-between spot. Yeah. Um, I feel like everybody's been there to some extent. <laughs> right? So long story short, I got a lot of responses online. I ended up starting this movement called Unashamed Impact, which turned into a nonprofit ministry. Wow. And I ended up having this international nonprofit ministry where we had teams of young people around the globe who would connect and do like outings, Bible study, evangelism, and get togethers. And that's kind of where my platform started was I was 21 years old and I had all these teams from Kenya to the Dominican Republic to across the U.S., um, with different city leaders. And we had, we started having conferences each year that people would fly over to um, these three day conferences, retreats. And, um, and so 
I had this whole nonprofit that I was working with. Uh, even though I look back to this day and I'm like, what was I doing? But you know, you're 21, you're on fire. Yeah. You're like, just trying. I'm 22 things. now. I get it. <laughs> you're just trying things. And it, I mean, it's such a cool age now that I think about it. I'm yeah. like, now I'm, now I'm older and I'm like skeptical of everything. And I wish I still had that just jump out, you know, sure. um, kind of attitude. Uh, but yeah. So working a lot with young adults, right? Because it was primarily made of young adults. And then I ended up uh, moving up in my service at church to young adults, teens and young adults. I cannot tell you how much of my time was spent managing crises, like mental health crises. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I did not expect to happen. Sure. Yeah. Especially in the church, just like uh, people view churches as this like, which it is a sacred place you can go to worship God, but you don't expect to find the most broken people sitting in those pews. Like, yeah. um, Lacey Sturm has this amazing testimony of like, she hated Christians. She hated everybody that wasn't like her. She just, she was suicidal and she wanted to die. Yeah. Um, and she went to church, her grandma drug her after a huge fight. And she ended up finding Jesus there. The pastor started crying, was like, there's a suicidal spirit in the room. She's rebellious, wow. rocker teen, like, no, I'm not going to do it. And um, she was planning to kill herself when she got home from church that night. And a white-haired gentleman met her at the door and told her that there is no earthly father like that can compare to Jesus, the God, the mm. God, the father. And that changed her life forever. She went on to start Flyleaf and just have this huge impact on not even just Christians, more so atheists and agnostics. And it's just this worldwide impact. And it all started from a suicidal teen's heart. So when it comes down to the church, like the most radical transformations I've ever heard have happened in a church building. It's not going to happen anywhere else unless we take the church outside the walls, which I feel like we're having to do right now um, for Anybody that has just joining us or listening to this later on, we're in the middle of the quarantine stage in COVID-19 here in 2020. Um, We're all quarantined in our homes, except for Georgia has decided to just open back up and throw a party, which is one thing, but you know, (laughs) yee yee. But it's a very uncertain time and there's a bunch of people struggling with their mental health right now. And the fact that you bring it up in the podcast here that there are youth struggling with suicidal thoughts and just going through depression, anxiety in my small town of social circle, there had never been a suicide within the high school. And then this year there were two in the span of two weeks and I had never seen anything like that. And I know at least one of them were enrolled in the Christian learning center program. So they were hearing the gospel, but I feel like teens, especially I know for myself when I was struggling with anxiety and depression in high school, I didn't really tell anybody about it until it got to the point where I was on tour. I was promoting these big events and just doing what I had always wanted to do at 16 or 17 years old. But I got to where I was too worried about what I looked like on stage and how many people were showing up and this, that, and the other got to the point I had a mental breakdown and I Mm -hmm. shut down all my social media accounts. I shut everything down, whatever platform God had given me, I completely threw it away and said, I was never going to touch it again. I spent two years working in the corporate world for AT&T and had, was making amazing money, bought a house, bought a new car, was living that American dream, quote unquote, but Trevor wasn't happy. Yeah. Um, 
And I say it like that just because like money's not going to make you happy being successful in a field outside of your calling. It could bring you a certain amount of joy, but are you ever going to be super satisfied in that? And I had Mm -hmm. to learn that. So I just think back on like, what if I would have actually accepted that I was having panic attacks and struggling with anxiety when I was 16, 17 years old, Right? where would I be right now? Instead of just throwing everything away and letting it own me, which is why I started fear as a liar, which is just like a clothing brand with a purpose. Like I want to bring hope into people's eyes, ears, wherever they receive their hope from, whether it's on a t-shirt, a hat, or through a video, somebody out there needs to know that they're not struggling. And that's something you've done very well, not even just in the Christian platform, but just on a global stance, you've impacted a lot of people and it even encouraged me to, um, to pursue my calling in general. Yeah. So we can get back to your story. Sorry, that was a long overturn no, there. That, I didn't but, know that. Oh, that's so amazing. And yeah. her story gives me chills with the start yeah. of Flyleaf. And it's just it's, totally, it's it's like how, what do they say? Like your deepest pain is the launching to your greatest yes. mystery type yes. of thing. Yes. Yeah. It's mind boggling. Like still to this day, I did a tour with Lacey last year and just it was almost like I grew up on Flyleaf. I'm a huge Flyleaf fan. I love Mm -hmm. rock music. The heavier the music, the more I'm going to listen to it, but it has to have a message of hope in there. If you listen to music that is not bringing hope to you, I think what you put into your eyes and put into your ears has a long-term effect on your mental health and your positivity. So if you're listening to degrading music, your mind is going to be degraded in my opinion. Um, There's probably research to back that up, but I'm no scientists by any means. <laughs> no, but it makes sense. Just yeah. being able to combine those stories and just hear people overcoming it themselves was mind blowing to me. I can't imagine working at a church and hearing it week after week. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the stories without yeah. names obviously on what you saw within the church? Yeah. So I had my own nonprofit organization, which is mostly based online. And we had these online chats. And I mean, so often we would hear, okay, someone's someone mentions in the chat something suicidal about how they want to end it. They don't want to be here anymore. And this person might have a kid and we're like, okay, okay. What about your child? And they just don't care, you know, or, um, it just came up a lot and, and many in times at times from the least suspecting people. Right. And it was just like, wow, okay, this is definitely an issue. Also, I learned that there were a number of people in there with like disabilities as well. Like, you know, um, who were dependent on like family members, but like, uh, but aligning with that, I was physically serving in the church. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was serving in a new church plant in Dallas, Texas. I had moved at this time and it was just starting up and they asked me to help out with leading over the youth because they saw what I'd done with my nonprofit and they were like, okay, maybe she connects with youth. Let's see what, you know, how she could fill in here. And I remember, um, not too long in the lead pastor came to me and was like, Hey, I was hoping you could talk with this family because they've been having issues with their teenage son. You know, he's been having suicidal thoughts, but this time they found a gun in his room. Oh, wow. You know? And I'm like, okay. Like, you know, at at this time I wasn't, again, throughout this time I hadn't been trained in, you know, mental health 101. I hadn't been going to school for this yet. It was just literally just life experience, learning resources, figuring out how to connect people, listening to people, you know, and during that situation, 
I remember actually going to that family's house and being on the couch with them and just hearing what was going on and praying with them and like trying to help figure out resources. And I, I just, like, I always say truly like being in the church, being in ministry, that was definitely my introduction to the mental health crisis. And I was not expecting it. That's yeah. not what I went in expecting. Um, and it's so funny because people who served alongside me, they look at me today and they're like, Brittany, you, you were doing this for like a long time and you're just now like kind of fitting into where it was all along. Um, but I was always that person, you know, um, just on a boots to ground level um, in in the forefront in church. And I'm sure many of those who have been in church or served or served with youth and whatnot, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> sure. Um, research has shown for o- over for over 20 years that those having a psychological crisis or distress will go to their faith community or their priest or their pastor before they ever step foot to a mental health professional. I know I did. <laughs> so we all, right? Like yeah. many of us did because it's just like, that's just where you know to go. Also, it makes sense because it's less complicated than trying oh, yeah. to navigate the mental health system and your insurance and finding a professional. Sure. And so that's where many, many of us go. Um, and so, so that's why I'm very passionate about, uh, faith and mental health. I'm passionate about mental health in general, regardless of what faith background a person has or where they come from. Um, but for me, just having been in the church and understanding, uh, the church community and culture and, uh, being involved and seeing how prevalent it is, it is, it is an area that I do very, very much feel passionate about. No, and that's awesome. And the funny thing is, I found myself in the mental health space by not accident, but there was this organization, and I think they're still around today, Project Semicolon, the um, girl that started it, Amy Blue, somehow or another, I was 17 at the time, we got connected over Instagram. And I was, I wouldn't even call it an intern. I was helping out with their A&R department with artist relations. And Mm. I never struggled with anxiety or depression. I just knew I was passionate about the concert industry and helping people in need, not necessarily even with anxiety and depression. Whenever they would ask me to do a live on Instagram or Facebook, I would literally pull out my phone and look up symptoms and try to piece together some (laughs) kind of encouragement because I had no clue. But yeah, Amy, um, a few months after I started actually um, died by suicide. And it was Mm. a very, that was the first time I'd ever like experienced anything like that. Like I'd heard about people taking their lives, but I'd never had someone close to me uh, take their life. And it was like, I can remember it to this day. It was just like that. it, It can't happen. And the worst thing is I found out about it on the news. So I didn't have anybody the caller texted me. I was at work and I looked yeah. at the TV on, and they had CNN playing and I saw it and it was just like, that was one of the craziest, most unfortunate pieces of events in my life. Yeah. Like just seeing wow. it over that. But it's almost to this extent of like, I saw how suicide affected her and her family and the movement and then I would say two years later, I had my first panic attack and um, it, it, I let it take over my life. I let it mm-hmm. defeat me for two years. And then I finally knew it was time, like God's called me to do something bigger and better, but I don't know what that is yet, but I just had to take that leap of faith yeah. and 
go see a psychiatrist and find a medication that works for me and learn breathing techniques and exercise and just make all these adjustments in my life. And it turned out I had hypothyroidism. We know now yep, that makes that, sense. That was yeah. causing the panic attacks because they weren't worry induced. I was never like anxious or worried about anything. It was literally we didn't know. I thought I was dying. <laughs> I was at an event. That's what and, it feels like. It yeah, feels like a heart attack. It feels like a heart attack. I was. I remember being at church in the Highlands in 2015 or early 2016, March of 2016. I had my first panic attack at Church of the Highlands. We were promoting for an event called Together 2016. We were doing it on the National Mall. And I was at Church of the Highlands. It was first night of the event. And I literally just like, I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was hungry at first. Then I thought I was dying. And then I went and laid behind some shrubbery in uh, the the front of the church. And just like, you do things that are very odd. Like you just don't know what position you're in. You're just like, I'm going to die. I need to find a good place to go do that. And Mm. crying. And I was heaving, trying to puke because I thought I was sick. And just walking in random bathrooms and places I'm not supposed to be backstage and just trying to find like some kind of comfort. But when you're in a state of a panic attack, you, mm-hmm. what you're you do, in survival you're just like, mode. Yeah. you're, it's almost like you're in custody by the cops and you're just yeah. like, you got a gun to your head or something. You don't know what's going on. So with, yeah, it's so scary. Yeah. yeah so, Especially if you don't know what's going on the first time it happens, it's always yeah. a very horrifying experience. It is. And that was, I was supposed to speak at Shorter University in North Georgia the next day. And I know now, like I was just anxious beyond belief about, I didn't think that my story was relevant enough to share, even though there was booking in place for that. Like I, I just had this epiphany of like, I was going to have my friend Stephen come we worship and just, it was going to be this, one of my first like college events and with someone not being in college, not planning on going to college and yeah. just <laughs> and being in that space of like, my story's not relevant. I let anxiety defeat me in that moment. So yeah, what would, what like piece of advice? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what piece of advice would you give to a teen or a single mom, single father, someone that's getting out of a bad relationship or just struggling with anxiety and depression? What would that first step be? Yeah. I mean, definitely sounded like some imposter syndrome there, right? It's like, I'm talking yeah. to college students. I'm not in college, you know, yeah. and, and how these I'm situations, that is such a real thing. And the thing is imposter syndrome doesn't go away no matter what level you get to. So at some point you have to like decide to show up. So it's really yep. interesting. But um, yeah, I mean, definitely the first step is realizing when it is, you know, you are experiencing something that's really outside of your control and functionality, right? Because mental health is on a spectrum. So we've all experienced some form of a small form of anxiety or some level of depression or sadness, right? But it's when it's gotten to the point where it is like outside of your control and you cannot function, like kind of the things that you were explaining with the panic attacks that realizing that, okay, it is now in, a, in like an abnormal state. Yeah. And I don't say that to create like shame or stigma around it, but I say that because recognizing when it is at a higher level, that's when you know it's important to get help and to get more yeah. help because every, you know, all the things you've been doing up to this point to try to manage it, you might realize like, okay, it's not working. Like I'm trying all these things and whether it's trying to self-medicate with alcohol or yeah. weed, or whatever it is, or whatever it is that you're doing, but you're realizing that it's not helping, like it's, or it's making things worse, right? Um, 
it's time to talk to someone about it, to see someone because there are treatments. That's the biggest thing I want to say is like, there are evidence-based treatments now where uh, therapists and professional clinicians can help you manage and even come out of your uh, state of anxiety or depression, or like I said, teach you how to manage it if it is something that might be um, a more long-term diagnosis because that happens. Things don't always switch out overnight, especially if it's something like trauma. You know, it takes a while to process through that. But the biggest takeaway is that, you know, you don't have to try to figure that out by yourself. A lot of times you figure it's my life, it's my problem, and I don't want anybody to judge me for my choices and where I'm at. So I'd rather just navigate this myself. And this is why therapy is such a great space because it's a safe space. There is no judgment. Um, It's completely confidential. So you can tell them, anything, you know, um, and trust me, they're not going to think you're crazy because you've seen everything just about at that point. It's your job at that point. Like you've seen it all. A lot of things that people think are like really weird or crazy that they've been through is actually pretty common. Um, and I realized that studying anxiety, like when you bring up a panic attack, panic attack to me, I'm like, it's actually kind of normalized because I'm like, yeah, like, I've heard this type of story like so many times and I know that it happens and I get what it is. And, um, in that it is a, it is a, like your body kind of misfiring. And if it's like what you said, it's so great that you actually were able to pinpoint that it's hypothyroidism because a lot of people don't understand or see mental health as a physical, like as a, as, as a physical health. You know, they just think, oh, it's in your head. It's just in your mind. It's like, no, this was something literally overreactive in your body. For those who don't know, your thyroid is responsible for your metabolism. So that is maintaining your your energy. And so if you're having an overproduction, now your heart's racing, your body's racing, you know, you're in this fight or flight mode like that. And you can't control it. It's just like, and you can't uh... control it. (laughs) It's like your body just misfires. It's like a false alarm. And so- you wouldn't be able to get that under control or get help or know what to do if you never saw someone about that. Like that's something going on in your body that you would need medication for or to develop new practices to get that under control. But the point is that you can get under control and it doesn't have to be your life. And those types of things don't have to happen so often. Um, But you wouldn't know that if you didn't get the help that you need or seek that out. And the wild thing is I remember I, it was 2015 when I started struggling with panic attacks and I didn't know I had a hypothyroidism until this year. It was, I was on tour last year. It was a three month tour and we were in like random, I mean, not random. They were obviously booked, but I was promoting a movie on the mercy me tour. And I just kept waking mm. up in the bunk of the bus, like exhausted every single day, just like, my body was being worn down from riding in the bus. I was on the top bunk at the time. And you get a bunch of sway in that. For anybody that thinks touring is glamorous, no, don't even go there. <laughs> um, like it, it was just this wow factor of like my body is really drained. So before tour started this year in January, I went to the doctor and was like, I got to figure this out. I can't get out there and have no energy again. They're like, oh, well, we want to test your thyroid. And mm-hmm. it's something that people... Um, a friend of mine said two years ago, I was like, go get your thyroid check. And I was like, eh, it ain't it. Like, 
that's not it at all. So I go to the doctor in January of this year and they pinpointed it with some blood work and I have hypothyroidism. And I think the biggest difference for me is like, yeah, it's a lifelong disease. You take medication for it, but medicine is also not the devil. Medicine's not there to hurt you unless you abuse it. I know that um, there are natural remedies that you could try first if you're not comfortable with going to a psychiatrist, Um, CBD oils, essential oils, just things that are natural that you can put into your body to help. Like you can see if it works for you first. And then if you're still feeling those symptoms, I highly recommend going to get help. I recommend going to get help first before you try anything on your own. But um, some people just aren't in that space yet. So if you're listening to this podcast and you've been looking for that sign to take that first step, like this is it. Don't wait any longer. Don't risk any more of your life. Don't wait any more. Time's just going to keep going with or without you. And yeah, I, and it I, gets worse yeah. with time. It gets That's worse with time. Exactly. And most people wait 10 years on average actually before they get help. Wow. That's... Yeah. And so it's really important. The sooner you go, the better. And like you said, you wouldn't tell someone with diabetes to stop taking their diabetic yeah. medication. Yeah. Like why doesn't, you know, why doesn't your pancreas just produce more insulin? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, it needs help. And so like yeah. you said, with your thyroid, it just, it needs more help managing that. You wouldn't tell someone with heart disease to stop taking their heart medication. Like our organs sometimes you know, aren't functioning at full functioning the way that we want. We have imperfect bodies that sometimes go array that we just have to work with. And it's the same thing with mental health. Like there are so many biological functions behind mental health um, that I think needs to be better connected in the mental health conversation so that people can see it as such. And it's not just this existential space. (laughs) Like, You know, um, it, because the opposite of hype of hype of hyperthyroidism is hypothyroidism, which is when your body is not metabolizing enough. Yeah. So a lot. So that That's makes me. a person slow down. Right. Yep. And they have really low energy. And so sometimes yep. the uh, the symptoms of depression are actually symptoms of hypothyroidism yep. where they're not metabolizing enough, but their body completely is fatigued and slows down. Yeah. Right? And I can rem- so- <laughs> I know for the past, I haven't gained a pound in like five years. I still weigh the same as I weighed in, in high school and mm-hmm. that's 116 pounds. Like I can't gain weight tried everything, but yeah, it has everything to do with that. So, um, it's, it's going to look different for everybody. There's no one stop shop that you can yeah. go to and just cure everything in your body. And sometimes there's not going to be a cure and you just have to learn to like, okay, I can fix this. I can't fix this. How am I going to live with it? Um, I think mental, or I know for a fact, mental health is one of those things that needs to be prioritized just as you would if you had COVID, like COVID can put you on your deathbed. Suicide can put you on your deathbed. It's not comparing the two, but they're both deadly. And we both are, everybody needs to work on that to a certain extent, like make it a point, just like you said, just having a mindfulness check breathing, having that technique, having that daily habit that you go to and just start building good habits daily. Making your bed is one of the most beautiful things in the world. When you you get home and you make, you've made your bed, like you honestly just look at it and you're like, okay, tomorrow can be better. Like even if today was terrible. My life is somewhat together. Like if nothing else in my life is together, my bed is made. Exactly. I'll settle, I'll settle with that. <laughs> exactly. It's like tomorrow's going to be better. I remember to make my bed today, so it'll be great. But when it comes down to it with your transformation from working in the youth group at the church and seeing all that goes on in the mental health, what happened from there? 
yeah, it's kind of crazy because I started blogging about mental health yeah. um, because after I had that experience, I remember going to the library and just reading up everything that I could about mental health. I was just like, there's more going on here. I'm not seeing the full picture. I've gotten the like theology around it and the scriptural part, you know, but I feel like there's more like psychologically, biologically, there's stuff going on that I'm not understanding and putting the pieces together on. I was renting books from the library, like as if I was in school. And this is before (laughs) I decided to go back. I was taking notes. I had notebooks full of notes, trying to piece things together. Um, and so and then I was I was blogging about it at the time. This was also the time when my life kind of hit a rock bottom because uh, my relationship um, ended, and that was yeah. just um, its own traumatic situation. Yeah, um, unhealthy. I found myself momentarily. I, I mean, I guess you could say homeless because I moved out of the house that we had, and I was staying on a friend's couch, and they were there comforting me through my transition. And I had to restart my life. I moved back to California, um, ended up deciding to go back to school and Mm. picking up work. But, um, I was in a, I was also in a period where I was transitioning through major changes in my own Mm. life and working through my own mental health and, and episodes of anxiety and depression through all of that to where I was seeing a therapist at the time. Mm. And I think it was just a combination of all of these experiences that drove me deeper that I was just like, I want to understand more. And the f- and then I realized that I had this natural passion and I was just like, you know what? I should just go back to school and explore this some more, see what happens. I was, that was another thing going back to school. Like I, that was a whole, I was so intimidated about even that, uh, as a newly single mom, um, sure. because I was a terrible student. <laughs> like, I mean, I still don't know how I graduated high school. I was, I was way too social. I was always taking summer school classes cause I flunked something every year. Yeah. Like I was a terrible student. So I had this in my mind, like I'm a terrible student. Like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Why I'm I relate. I relate. (laughs) Yeah. Which I feel like a lot of people wouldn't believe now, but it just goes to show you how God is so redemptive because I just put, you know, my mindset every day. I just studied hard every day and I ended up, um, having 4.0 honors, um, to the point where wow. I transitioned into being into UCLA, which was Ooh. the, like it, at the time it was the, it had the most applications in the country, you know, mm. and it was just like crazy. Yeah. Um, and now I'm like into research there and everything. So it's super cool. But, um, yeah, throughout that time though, throughout that whole transition, I was blogging, I was like, and then I was creating quotes out of those blogs and putting them on Pinterest. And then these Pinterest quotes started going viral. And I was like, and my blog, you know, it was redirecting people back to my blog Sure. and those posts started going viral. And then people started asking me to write more about this on their blog. And it just kind of started expanding from there. And that really gave me this wake up call that, whoa, like not a lot of people are talking about this or it's very needed because it's obviously like for some reason people are so hungry for this content. And I think also talking about it in a way that was not just... Um, that was not just so heavy spiritually, but also had the balance of um, practically what was going on with mental health and like evidentially what was going on. So that's always been my kind of thing from that point on. Um, 
also just kind of how I am as a person. I'm just a moderate person. Like mod, I believe in moderation and all things. Sure. Um, so I've always taken on this approach of being like biblically based and faith based, um, but also being evidentially based and research based and science based. So that's what I'm very passionate about. And from there, yeah, I was doing some podcast episodes and my social media already kind of had a foundation because of the nonprofit stuff that I did. Sure. But now it just geared into a mental health. Um, you know, my whole, I hate to say like my brand, like, because it really was not meant to be a brand. Yeah. It, it just <laughs> you know unintentionally I mean? happened. You didn't yeah. ask for that. I no, I, I was not that. strategic. Like I was not like planning for it. I've never had a content calendar, like, you know? And so, uh, so yeah, that's how things started turning. And then I also became like, I, I was, you know, serving in the community. I became a certified, um, facilitator for NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness. So I was helping facilitate recovery support groups for those living with mental illness in the community. Um, and that was really interesting just hearing people's life experiences and helping guide through that, um, on top of being in school. And like right now I'm currently in training with, uh, the national crisis text line and being a crisis counselor. Amazing. Oh, that's, oh my gosh, that's been so awesome because being home, I'm like, I'm so used to being in my community or being out and doing something like hands on with, I don't like, I don't want to just study it. I actually want to be there helping in, in people's lives as much as I can. Yeah. So, um, So anyways, so I was like, okay, while I'm home and since the lines have been spiking with the whole COVID thing, if I can help out, like I'm going to try to help out in this area. So I wrapped that up this week and, um, and I'm also working on a, I'm working on a thesis, I'm preparing for proposing a thesis at UCLA, um, around early childhood trauma and anxiety. Yeah. So, um, I've just been, I don't know. I've just been like, even though it seems like a lot, I'm really loving everything that I have my hand in. And it's really just about time management and chipping off one thing one day at a time. And uh, it works. <laughs> yeah. And you unintentionally started this brand, something that's, I I don't even know how many countries it would be. I don't know where I was going with that. But you've reached so many people with this message and it's just a simple message of hope. You're not trying to go over anybody's head. You're not like, I mean, you do post statistics and stuff every once in a while, but (laughs) for the most part, you are being intentional about just being there for everyone. Your content is very welcoming. You make sure people feel welcome on your page. You've never shamed anyone for their beliefs, even if it's other different than your beliefs. It's totally, it's it's very welcoming. I'm so glad that you said that because again, like mental health affects everyone. It does not discriminate. No matter what you believe, where you come from, your race, your gender, your age, it doesn't discriminate. So this is for everyone. And, you know, I think also for me, kind of being in the world of academia, a lot of this mental health information and these research articles, like it is not for your everyday person to consume. I mean, even for me, like a lot of this stuff, it just takes a lot to understand the research methods and the discussions and the methods and all of this literature, you know. Um, but the truth is like your everyday person is one, not going to have a lot of access to these academic journals, sure. you know, 
but two, probably isn't going to like really click with it right off the back. It's very dense. So as I'm going through academia and I'm also just kind of trying to share things with the public and online and even in my sphere of friends and family, I'm realizing how important it is to take that and bring it into a common language, bring it into almost almost like human form, (laughs) you know, and really be able to relay that information to the general public in a way that relates to everyday life that is understandable by the everyday person. So we all have the same knowledge and information um, on how to improve our lives and improve our mental health. And it's not just in this academic jargon that's unreachable, but it's for everybody. And so I think that's something I, I do care about as I'm on this journey of sharing mental health is me is relaying it in a way that's accessible for anyone. And as a content creator, if someone's listening to this right now, if they want to start a podcast or a blog or just be a social media advocate, I feel like we live in a generation of everybody wants to be an influencer, but nobody's being (laughs) influenced. Um, How do they, where do they start? Like, what is your opinion on in 2020 or 2021, whenever people listen to this, what is your piece of advice for that one person out there that wants to start a blog, wants to start a podcast, wants to start drawing and creating graphics for people to be encouraged by, where would you start if you had to go back to the drawing board in 2020? Yeah, that's such a cool question because like you're merging two of my worlds together, which never happens. (laughs) Um, Yes, great question, Trevor. Bullseye. (laughs) Um, Gosh, see, when you said in 2020 – that kind of like threw me a little bit because I'm realizing that content is way more oversaturated now than it was when I started on social media and when I started blogging. And I think that almost in a way gave me a slight foot up, you know what I mean? Because I started doing all this thing, like all this stuff like 10 years ago when it wasn't like nobody was doing it. Yeah. So it's been like 10 years in the growth process of doing work online. So today, obviously it's absolutely possible, you know, but also realizing that there's a lot of stuff out there. And even for me now, sometimes I feel like, like, it doesn't matter if I post anything because it seems like there's already 10 billion people talking about it. But the truth is only you are you and only you have your combination of experiences to bring to the table. And that is valuable. It really is. And it's going to speak to someone. And so yeah. So I'm like blog or podcast first. I have to, I'm it, with the blogging. Let's just be honest. I'm starting to wonder how many people are reading blogs now Sure. because I feel like now people are staying on the social media sites. Yeah. Like they're reading the kind of almost blog length posts in the Instagram posts sure. and following the Twitter threads or the Facebook stuff, you know, the Facebook captions. So mm-hmm. That's not to say blogs aren't valuable, sure. but I feel like a lot of people are resting on the social media sites right now. So, And it's direct think, to consumer. It's one less person you have to deal with. Yeah. Like in a middleman perspective. Exactly. So um, I would say the biggest thing is definitely consistency if you're able to. That's something that I'm working on. I'm consistent with the people I work with, myself. Yes. <laughs> But, um, yeah, definitely consistency, um, in in posting regularly. I think it's really important to 
post from the heart and post from your experience, not to be like corny, but I don't know about you, but I think all of us are kind of over this like curatedness, like of just everything being super curated. And the people who stand out to me are the people who are just so real and so themselves and so like unguarded. And, um, and even I struggle with that, you know, because you just like how much is too much and, you know, how much do I keep to myself? Right. And that's going to look different for everybody. But I would just, my biggest thing would be to start with honesty, start with your honest stories, start with your honest revelations. Something I love to do is journal, um, drawing a lot of things from your journaling time that you can pull from. I mean, we can only go as deep with others in our platforms as we've gone with ourselves. So it's going to be hard to post some really honest and um, real um, convicting and all of that content if you are not taking the space and time to reflect with yourself in your own life. And so I think there needs to be a space with with social media, right? Like I think that, I think, I feel like there needs to be this space where you are actually living your life. (laughs) You are actually having revelations and reflections about your own life and the world around you and interacting with the real world around you. And whatever you're taking from that, you are bringing to your platform. Not I'm going to make up and curate all these things from my platform. Like sometimes you do that, but I think the people that really stand out are the ones that we just see honesty and we just connect with their humanness. Yeah. You know, um, so starting there, starting with your story, starting with what you're seeing and just being honest. Like, I think it's a writer's job to be honest about Very the much world. So. Not even just you a know? journalist, a blogger, whatever uh, yeah. piece of writing you're doing. I it has to be honest. It's our job to be honest about our storytelling of the world and around us and what we're seeing. And I think people appreciate that. Um, and so, and with starting a podcast, I started out with just my own sharing my own like things I'd researched and my own revelations and um, remarks. So it started off like that. And then the next year I started having guests on. Um, But I would really think, I would think about what you want to focus on with your podcast. Like what are your main, say one or two things that you want it to be about? Because it is true, no matter how much we like to like not be niche and just share whatever we want. Like it is true that unless you're like, I don't know, Joe Rogan or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like this big time person. Um, at first people are going to attract to you based off of a very specific message and be- very specific topics that they know that when they follow you, like that's what they're going to get because yeah. they are missing maybe the content or information in that area of their life. So I know for, I understand that I am very aware of that people follow me because they know that I'm a faith-based person sure. talking about mental health, but also doing it from like a scientific and evidence-based place. And that is something that they want because they're either getting too much of the spiritual side and no, you know, evidential backing, or they're getting too much of the science side, but it's not aligning with their faith-based worldview. So it's very niche, even though it wasn't meant to be that way. It's really no, just a sure. combination of myself, um, maybe also figuring out what that is for you. And I think uh, one of the biggest reasons I started following you was because like the research and everything to back it up. I 
I was very new to the mental health space and I was like, Oh, I don't really know enough to help somebody <laughs> through it. So I was trying to find people that would help me walk through that. And it was, um, I remember two in particular would be you and Jared Wilson. And I yeah. think that Jared did such a great job with just being vulnerable and, uh, yeah. just being himself and not holding anything back. He did so much for the mental health um, community and even his wife and his brother and sister are taking the charge with Anthem of Hope and doing that now. If you yeah. don't know, uh, Jared Wilson, he was a pastor out of California and unfortunately we lost him last year to uh, suicide. But the main takeaway from me bringing it up is like, it doesn't matter what platform you're standing on, you're still going to struggle to a certain extent. So take care of yourself. Um, when it comes down to diving into research, just be very cautious that you're not revisiting old skeletons that you need to leave in the closet. Mm-hmm. Um, just be true to who you are, love who you are. And I'm wearing a shirt right now that somebody sent me after he passed and it says, give tomorrow mm-hmm. a chance. And oh, that's man. one of the most encouraging messages I still have to the say, because it's something that he said all the time was give tomorrow a chance. And um like I said, even for pastors or world leaders, um, advocates, they still struggle as well. So just because Brittany and I are talking on a podcast about mental health doesn't mean we have it all together. I still have my fair share of struggles. Absolutely I've, not. Yeah. And even for you, I, I couldn't even imagine having a child. Um, mm-hmm. So you're, that's a whole job right there. You have, <laughs> you have the job of being a mother, which how old is yeah, your son? He's 10. He's 10 years old. I know. So I have a whole gotten, 10 year old. You've gotten past the kind of whiny times. So it's like <laughs> he's kind of getting to where he can manage himself. I'm oh, yeah, assuming. It's like sit down, do your homework, watch the video, listen to your teacher. You know what you got to do. Yeah. Right? And Peace. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, right now he's, I'm assuming, doing school online, correct? Yep. yep. Oh my gosh. So yeah. That's another even thing. The teachers like, sending them, even though the teacher's sending the material, we are still having to like explain and walk through the material. So, um, but it's Brittany, all the mental health advocate, the student, <laughs> the PR expert, the teacher, <laughs> like, geez, girl, like you got so much, go- like when you finish that way. job, like uh, you're just, I don't, we don't know each other super personally, but <laughs> I commend you so much for everything that you're doing. It's just blowing my mind. The more I talk about it and I'm hearing myself in my in-ears, it's just like the more I I hear the words coming out of my mouth on your resume and your track record, just good Lord, like (laughs) amazing, amazing. And it's crazy. I've struggled with imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? So I've struggled with, it's like, you're doing all these things, but in the back of your head, you're like not doing enough or like you're not you you're doing all these things, but am I qualified to be doing all that I'm doing, you know, yeah, for and sure. still having to show up past those doubts, you know what I mean? Um, and choose one thought over the other, just because it exists doesn't mean like you have to align with it, you know, and yeah. learning that. So a, like one day at a time, we still have our struggles for sure. 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 And, um, the tail end of your story, walk us through how you got to where you are now. Like, we've talked about it throughout this whole podcast unintentionally. It's just like, you've become super successful in your life and not even from like a (laughs) a perspective of like, she's got the job and money and like, you're just mentally, you're in a good place. You're very positive. You're doing all these amazing positive things with your life. I know you struggle still like 
with wondering why you're doing this at times. I know I do personally. Um, correct right. me if I'm wrong. Like, there's just times where I'm like, why am I still doing this? Like, why am I still recording a podcast or touring? Like, I there's just days where I doubt. Like, what what could God have for me that He doesn't have for anyone else? And the answer to that, in my opinion, is He's got a little something for everybody, and it's not totally. always going to be the same. Nobody's going to struggle exactly with what you're going through. It could be similar, but God's given you something unique. Nobody's the same person. So we can live intentionally with ourselves. but walk us through how you got to be the unique, the beautiful, the powerful Brittany Moses you are now. Oh my gosh. I really need to just take you everywhere. Like story in my pocket. And if I'm having a bad day, just pull you out. So you could just say the unique, beautiful, wonderful Brittany. Like I'm I'm game. I'm game. Let's go. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, Gosh, I mean, it really is everything that we've talked about that's gotten me here. I think being in school has been incredibly motivating. Um, and just, I'm a, I'm a very learning-oriented person. I read a lot. So I, I'm very, I, I approach the world with curiosity and others with curiosity and um, just learning more. I think that's what's keeping me going is like, I'm just interested in learning more about the direction that I'm in and those around me and how... I can help in any way possible, big or small. Um, And as far as my own mental health, I guess I'm being in a place where I'm more grounded. Um, I would say that, you know, it's really the basics, right? Like the biopsychosocial, spiritual aspects that make up who Mm. we are. So biologically, I'm not a workout expert and I'm not going to sit here and say that like I'm on my grind every day. There was a time I was right now. We're just trying to make it. Um, But I do try to get outside weekly, take that walk. You know, I definitely, um, I am very, my relationships mean a lot to me. Um, I definitely put friendships and my relationships as a priority. 100% staying connected with people and having those people who you can just totally be yourself with, you know, um, and who aren't going to judge you, um, you know, based off of what you're struggling with, but who know who you are and, you know, know your potential and, um, can speak life into you. I think that's been really important is just having real friends, (laughs) you know, Um, cause we have a lot of connections, you know what I sure. mean? I think, and especially as you get older, it's like, you have all these connections, you have all these associations, you know, associates and whatnot, but mm. it's so important to have those real people that you can, that are there for you and that you're there for. And I think that like, I definitely prioritize that over everything over, yeah. because at the end of the day, this is all temporary. <laughs> What's going to matter are the people around you. So totally. I, I always make time for my relationships, whether it's meeting someone for coffee, you know, a couple times a month, or I mean, now it looks different or FaceTiming right now through COVID. We've been having multiple virtual game nights. I love um, that. I haven't yeah. gotten to that yet. Oh Sounds my gosh. Fun. Okay. It's okay. We'll plan one. I got you. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> and um, like some friends came out the other day and we did like social distance kite flying. So um, whoa, 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 I'm, whoa, whoa. Social yeah. distance kite flying. Take me through kite that. flying. Like we went kite flying and we did it six feet apart from each other. And it was so like, I was like, 
this brought me so much more joy than I thought it would. <laughs> it reminds me of something I would hear in a Bob Goff book. <laughs> like, I love that so much. With the balloons. Yeah, yes. no, for sure. Um, so I'm very, I say all that to say, like, um, I'm very intentional about my life offline. You know, like, Amen. I very much do disconnect um, yeah. when I'm offline. Um, there are some times where I totally sign out. Like I sign out of all of my social media for the day and then we'll sign back in the next day whenever I have to get on. Sure. Um, but I'm very intentional about being present and taking care of myself and being invested in my relationships sure. offline. And I think that right now that's just really important because a lot of us have made social media our lives. and. Um, the two, the lines are getting blurred. And uh, they are. so I think uh, that's a big part of me personally staying grounded um, yeah. is just having a life <laughs> offline. Um, yeah, I totally get that. Prioritizing those things that matter the most, which is my mental health, my relationships, yeah. and in, in my physical health. Just I take, you know, I make sure I'm at least getting in some greens, whether it's in the smoothie, because I know, I know, but I, you mix it with like peaches and strawberries and then it's just sweet. It's just sweet and green. Um, because I've learned a lot about how diet and the building blocks of what you eat, um, really do fuel the building blocks of your brain. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm learning like, Oh, what I eat is literally going to my brain and I need to at least make sure I am getting in McDonald's every day is not going to do it for you. Probably not. Like, and I mean, we have the McDonald's days. Don't get me wrong. Like, something is better than nothing. You need the glucose. You need to fuel your body. But McNuggets and buffalo sauce. You got to have it every once in a while. You know what's underrated? Water. Like, we're all so dehydrated. Yes. My body's like, I need water. And I'm like, coffee, here you go. Like, yeah, you know, it's just so like true. our body needs water. So drinking yep. lots of water, getting in some greens, omega-3s, which are a fatty acid, which mm. your brain is made up of 60% fat. Um, so strengthening that. So that's found in like avocados, fatty fish, salmon, tuna. And there's also supplements um, you know, getting in your vitamin D, which usually comes through sunlight, but there's supplements for that, which is known to uh, produce serotonin, which is the mood yeah. balancing chemical in your brain. So yeah. So just like trying to intake things that make your body feel good. I'm not legalistic about diet. I'm just more like, if you notice that your body feels good when you eat it or you drink it. And I don't mean like that kind of good. Like, you know, I mean yeah. like genuinely healthy, yeah. just keep doing the things that make your body feel good. You yeah. know, that's all, um, as much as you can and don't shame yourself when you fall short, you know? So anyway, that's my shtick. Just like trying to eat for my brain well and staying invested in my relationship, staying present, uh, really, really um, differentiating online from like my real life. <laughs> um, and uh, just giving back, uh, you know, giving back is really big. I think that fuels me a lot um, as far as feeling purposeful in the day to day. Since it makes you feel so good to give back, what is one takeaway you want people to walk away from this podcast with when it comes to giving back in their community? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think that, huh, like specifically around giving back in community, 
yeah, just however you would want to give back if you were to start doing that right now, what is your nugget of advice for somebody out there? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely like, I would say first and foremost, if you're in a state where you're just at rock bottom and you're feeling feeling really broken down and just like you're surviving, um, for one, take care of yourself, right? Fill your own cup. We talk about your cup overflowing, like what's inside the cup is for you and what overflows is for everyone else. So definitely get your cup filled, get healthy. It's totally okay if God's purpose for you in this season is just to heal. Mm. Um, I feel like I need to say that to someone who's like me, who's like an Enneagram three, where you base your worth and production off of like doing things for people. Um, Take care of yourself and you, your worth is not in your doing, it's in your being. So let that be first. And then, you know, Yeah, I would say like, think about the areas that you're really passionate about. You know, for me, it was mental health. So it was like, what mental health initiatives can I kind of get a part of something like NAMI or the crisis text line? If you guys are interested in that, like you can go to the crisis text line website right now and apply to be a crisis counselor. They'll take you through the training. Um, you know, right now I know at least we're shut down, so it's limited, but I guess when all of this opens up, you know, just trying to find... I don't know, four or five off hours a week where you Mm. can volunteer, or maybe that is through the blog, or maybe it is through the podcast. That's all giving back. Like, for sure. That's free content that you're just giving away all the time. So maybe it is through the podcast. Maybe it is through your music. Maybe you are producing really encouraging music with a message. I know that music is just such, I don't know, music can get through to you in ways that other mediums can't sometimes. So I would never discount um, the value of even giving back through your music, you know? Um, So using, I don't know, the passions, the gifts that you have and working that in some way to give back to others when you can, because studies have shown that like volunteering and giving back does boost your mental health. Um, You know, I mean, one, we're created for community with each other, right? And so that's one part. But also, um, a lot of times you'll find that people that we're just tethered, like we're not alone. A lot of the situations that you come across as you're giving back, uh, you realize just like, man, we all uh, we go th- all go through a lot of the common struggles, <laughs> and yeah. uh, you'd be surprised how your story is is helping the next person. You guys heard it first here from Mrs. Brittany Moses. Brittany, thank you so much for joining us here on the Trevor Talks podcast. And if you guys are listening right now and you feel like you were struggling with anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts, just know that you could text Trevor, that is T-R-E-V-O-R, to 1512-647-2871, and somebody will get right back to you. And just know that you can go to the crisis text line, website. You can go to Brittany's content on uh, social media. Where can they find you, Brittany? Yeah. Uh, so I'm on Instagram, Brittany Moses, B-R-I-T-T-N-E-Y-M-O-S-E-S. I'm on Twitter, Brittany underscore Moses. And um, yeah, my website, BrittanyMoses.com. And all of that has all of my work and links. So thank you so much. This is yes. so much fun. Hey, this was the greatest. And guys, take some nuggets of information out of this, apply it to your life, and just know that there is always going to be someone there caring for you, whether you feel 
alone and depressed, stressed out, or you just feel like there's nothing going for you, there is a reason to live. So give tomorrow a chance. But I just want to thank you guys for joining into the Trevor Talks podcast, and we will see you guys next week. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the Trevor Talks podcast. I'm super thankful that you made it this far into our episode. I do, however, want to let you guys know that at fearisaliar.co, we do have $20 t-shirts and all the proceeds go towards mental health and uh, helping people get through that. So go check out fearisaliar.co and we will talk to you next week. Do you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of the local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.